This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Thanks for downloading the Let's Talk About Suicide podcast. This podcast is for anyone who has lost a loved one to suicide, and we'll be focusing on the LGBTIQA communities. As the name suggests, this podcast discusses issues around suicide, which can be a tough subject to talk about, but it's important that we do talk about it openly. We want to provide support to people who are bereaved by suicide. In all of our discussions, we'll be conscious to use the appropriate language, and your self-care is important. Listening to this podcast may raise issues for you, and if this is the case, we'd encourage you to contact one of the following services in Australia. You can call QLife on 1800 184 527, Suicide Callback Service on 1300 659 467, or Lifeline on 13 11 14. You can also find all of these contact details on the JOY website at joy.org.au slash let's talk. This podcast is produced in association with Support After Suicide, a program of Jesuit social services that provides support to people who have been bereaved by suicide, and Switchboard Victoria, which provides peer-driven support services for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender and gender diverse, intersex, queer and asexual people, their families, allies and community. We'd also like to acknowledge that this podcast was recorded on the lands of the Wandjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and we would like to pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging, and to extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who are listening. If you're listening to this podcast anywhere in Australia, you're on Aboriginal land. Always was, always will be. Welcome to the Let's Talk About Suicide podcast. My name is Hamish Blunk and I'm your host for this podcast. The pronouns I use for myself are he, him. Many people are affected by suicide and you may have experienced the suicide of a loved one, a partner, a sibling, a parent or a friend. It can be incredibly hard to make sense of what has happened, how you cope with it and how to recover from it. This podcast aims to help people like you through this difficult time. We want to provide support, conversation and comfort to people affected by suicide. This is for anybody affected by a suicide death, but as rates of suicide in the LGBTIQA communities are significantly higher than the general population, we'll be taking the time to talk about how this experience can be different and more complex for people in these communities or their loved ones. I've personally been affected by suicide. My ex-partner Nick took his life in 2017. I had no idea of the extraordinary levels of grief, confusion, guilt, sadness, isolation, heartbreak, and love that I would experience since his death. I also struggled to find the support I needed, particularly in those early days, which is why we are producing this podcast, that it might help others like you who find themselves trying to make sense of a suicide. Over the course of this podcast series, we are going to talk about things that broadly fit into the following themes. 
what you might experience when you're grieving a suicide death, dealing with guilt and blame, preparing for anniversaries and other special occasions, supporting a person who has lost someone to suicide, and honouring the loved one. You'll also get to know four courageous people who have lost a loved one to suicide and who have shared their experiences with us. They are Alice, Bo, Lara and Peter. The length of time since they have lost their loved one ranges from just over six months to about three years, so you might find that you relate to some of the things they are experiencing, depending on how long ago you lost your loved one. They hope by sharing their stories that you will get some level of comfort in knowing that you're not the only one who is experiencing this, but we'll introduce them in episode three. In this first episode, we're going to discuss why we need to talk openly about suicide and suggest some safe language we can use when talking about it. Guiding us through these discussions in all of our episodes will be two experts in the field of suicide prevention and suicide bereavement counselling. The first is Dr Louise Flynn, who uses the pronouns she, her. Louise is a psychologist and the manager of Support After Suicide, which is a program of Jesuit Social Services. It's a Victorian-based service and provides counselling and group support directly to those bereaved by suicide. Louise has been with Support After Suicide for 15 years, but has over 25 years' experience as a psychologist. In my early uh, years of being a psychologist, I worked a lot with people who were traumatised and I um, was coming across people also who were grieving and traumatised and there actually wasn't a lot of research or literature around at that time to really help help us respond well to people who were going through those experiences of loss, grief, bereavement and also trauma. Anyway, eventually I found myself working uh, in a bereavement counselling service where we saw many people um, who'd lost people from all different um, types of deaths. But many of those people who were coming to see us had actually been bereaved by suicide. So I started to wake up, actually, to the intense difficulty of that experience. And we started running groups. And then eventually um, I applied for a position with Jesuit Social Services in the Support After Suicide program. And so I've now been working in that area for about 15 years so it's just evolved over time that I've found myself here and um, and spending a lot of time with people who are going through this experience. As you can hear, Louise is in a very unique position to help you and me through this podcast with so many years' experience supporting people bereaved by suicide. Our second expert, Joe Ball, who uses the pronouns they, them, is the CEO of Switchboard Victoria and has listened to many stories that affect the LGBTIQA plus communities including people affected by suicide. And it might be you or your loved one who identifies as LGBTIQA+, and Joe will give us their insights on this community's perspective during our discussions. I have been working at Switchboard Victoria, which is an LGBTIQA+, peer-based service, meaning peer-based meaning that everybody who works and volunteers at Switchboard is identifies as LGBTIQA+. And it's a service that's been around for 28 years, And one of our services is supporting people in crisis. And that's our telephone and web chat service. So every week we do talk to people who are having a mental health crisis. And within that, we talk to people who are bereaved by those who have suicided. A year ago, while, you know, in my current role at Switchboard, uh, one of my staff members, Ingrid, suicided. And that is my personal experience of suicide. 
It was an extremely traumatic and distressing time because Ingrid, to me, was my staff member. She was somebody that I managed, but she was also somebody who was a dear friend and someone who was absolutely beloved to the switchboard service. Her loss is felt ongoingly and I'm sure will be for a long time, um, both through myself, um, the other staff, and all the volunteers and, and the service itself. And I mean, what brings me to this today and, and, and being a part of this podcast is that for me, this is, is a way of remembering and, and, and honouring Ingrid's life um, and continuing to tell her story. And so throughout this podcast, I will talk about having lost a staff member and that's talking about her. With Joe's lived experience and years of listening to the LGBTIQA plus communities, and Louise's depth of practical and professional experience with grief, trauma, and suicide counselling, you will get an insight into what you were going through, and also, hopefully, some understanding and comfort. But why this podcast? Why do we need to talk about suicide? As Louise explains, the suicide statistics are shocking, and it follows that if people are taking their own lives, then there are many, many other people left to make sense of what happened. The number of people who are taking their own lives each year in Australia is quite high. It's around 3,000 people from across Australia end their lives each year. Over 65, well over 65,000 Australians actually make a suicide attempt every year. So this is a really serious issue that's affecting many, many people in our community. And also the other thing that we know about suicide as well is that it's the leading cause of death of our young people aged 15 to 44. It's the leading cause of death for both men and women. And what we also know is that the suicide rate uh, amongst Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, um, uh, those rates are quite shocking. They're twice, uh, twice the rate of non-Indigenous Australians. If we then focus on LGBTIQA plus identifying people, the statistics are a little harder to collect. Mainly because when somebody dies, it is not always reported if they are LGBTIQA plus identifying. They may not be out, or their next of kin may not have disclosed that information to the coroner. But what we do know is that suicide ideation, that's having thoughts about or planning suicide, is a lot higher for LGBTIQA plus identifying people than the general population. While we may not have all the statistics, Joe talks here about what we do know. When you're looking at the LGBTIQA plus statistics, um, I would reference the 2016 study by the LGBTI Health Alliance, where it looked at comparing LGBTI people to the general population around having thoughts of suicide. So in that comparison, lesbian, gay and bisexual people aged 16 and over are over six times more likely to have thoughts of suicide. Transgender people aged 18 and over are nearly 18 times more likely. People with an intersex variation aged 16 and over are nearly five times more likely. And very shockingly, uh, 22% of same-gender attracted and gender-diverse young people between 14 and 21 years have thoughts of suicide, which increases to 30% for those who've experienced verbal abuse and to 60% who have experienced physical abuse. This is Louise again. So this is, as I said, a very serious issue that we need to learn more about and know how to respond to. And keeping silent about it will not help us 
do that. And there have certainly been some good reasons to really be very mindful about how we speak about suicide, but it is very important that we do we do want to reduce the number of people in Australia who end their own lives. And we know from our work at Switchboard that a lot of people report that as a member of the LGBTI community, they know someone very close to them who has suicided. And so that, you know, means that we've got to also take into account, you know, um, all those people that are bereaved. Yeah, all of those statistics are really shocking, aren't they? And Mm -hmm. I guess that does lead to a lot of people being affected by it and hence why we're doing this podcast is to support people who are bereaved by suicide of which there are you know it it fans out from a suicide to so many people affected that's right hamish many people are affected by by someone ending their own life and there's been some research uh looking into and trying to get a, a good um and reasonable estimate of how many people are affected by each Uh, suicide. And there's some research in the United States that suggests that it's well over 100 people, no doubt to different degrees, but certainly well over 100 people who are affected by each suicide death. Paying attention to that and supporting and caring for people who are affected by suicide is a really important effort then. And by producing this podcast, we are wanting to reach out and support people like you, one of the many, many people affected by each suicide. When we do talk about suicide, we need to talk about it in a way that is safe for you and the people around you. But there's also this perception that just talking about suicide is dangerous. People can be very reluctant to speak about suicide because they fear if they talk about it, then they will put the idea into someone's head. And what we've learned is that that's not true. However, it is important to be very mindful about the way we do speak about suicide. Partly that's about ensuring that the language that we're using doesn't stigmatise those who are left behind and doesn't sort of cast some stigma on the family or the community or those who are close to the person who took their own life. The way that we speak about someone who's entered their own life really um, does matter and we want to be thoughtful about how we speak about that person and what they've done. We don't want to be condemning or being judgmental about them or those or their family and those who cared about them. But neither do we want to romanticise what they've done. And that can be a bit of a tendency, particularly with young people. And that we are not inadvertently making it an appealing option to other young people. Knowing that talking about suicide in a safe way is okay, there is another important reason why we need to talk about it. As you're about to hear from Joe, not talking about it and allowing the stigma to continue means that people who need help might not look for it. If you stigmatise suicide or you don't encourage people to talk about suicide, the problem with that, among other problems, is that people won't engage in help-seeking behaviour. So if we make it something we, we can't talk about, then people won't reach out. And I think that's that's a really important part of of the picture. I think there's better ways that you can talk about it and there's some things that you shouldn't talk about. But just it's really important that you empower yourself of how to talk about suicide in a safe way and that we do ultimately talk about it. So how should we talk about suicide? Or what are the things that are not helpful when talking about suicide? So, for example, 
you know, we tend not to say committed suicide. You know, many people working in the field would, would not say committed suicide anymore because that harks back to a time when it was considered a, a sin or a crime. That's what we think of as stigmatising language. So we tend not to use that uh, that term. We don't talk about suicide or, or someone's death by suicide being a successful suicide or a suicide attempt being an unsuccessful suicide. These just aren't helpful ways of speaking about and thinking about suicide. All we need to do is say that someone took their own life or they suicided or they attempted suicide or they died by suicide. We don't need to add these sort of words that actually aren't helpful. It's, it's interesting because that word suicided used in that way I've, I'd never heard of before mm. I came to, th- to think about this and research and look into mm. it. So I think that's a really helpful word to actually know because it, it takes you away from using those other words that aren't as helpful. And look, I think we all have so much to learn here. And even I was surprised of working in the space of suicide prevention, just some of the colloquial language that just crept in for me, um, particularly when I was traumatised um, and affected directly afterwards. I remember saying quite a few times... Um, uh, she committed suicide and having other people say, hey, um, that's not the best language. But it was actually just that that's what came to mind because we hear it all the time. Mm. And so this is all part of like let's, you know, we don't want anyone to sort of be beating themselves up if that's what you've been going around saying because, hey, I've done that. Um, but it's just like let's see if we can just do it better. The other thing that I noticed a lot is there's a lot of phrases that we use in just everyday language that relate back to suicide and before you're in this space you don't pay much attention to it but then when you come into this and you're bereaving a suicide and they're really quite triggering in a lot of ways because you think that's really not a good way to talk about Mm. something even though it's casual and even though it's Mm. not intended to be malice absolutely and i think um i've certainly felt that myself when someone's said a a phrase like there's just so many phrases in our language that actually relate to someone ending their own life um and so i think that's really – and you certainly become really heightened about it um, when you're affected by it yourself. And I feel like I definitely am out there in the community all the time educating our own community about not saying those things and, you know, we can all play a part in that. What about just using the actual word suicide? Should we be using the word and, and using it in an open way? Yeah, I think it's okay to do that. One of the times when I don't tend to use the word is if I'm – meeting with or sitting with someone who's grieving and finds the word actually too traumatic. That's definitely a time when I'll step back from using that because it's there's no need to. But I think it's it's okay to use the word and to, in a sense, take the sting out of it, really. And also it enables us to actually be able to speak about it openly and responsibly and also then... Uh, work out ways forward where we can actually work towards reducing the rates of suicide. There's some very good um, guidelines put out by Mindframe. It's widely available on the internet and they've got some very good guidelines about how to speak about suicide in a way that means, yes, we can talk about it, that we can speak about it in a way that doesn't uh, lead to it being seen as an appealing option but neither does it um, condemn uh, the person or make judgments about the person and those who are left behind. 
I think a lot of people are really familiar with the idea of like why you can't talk about suicide from the media because often, you know, the media doesn't report on suicides and I think that's led to some of the misconception. But I think what Mindframe really points to is you can talk about it but there's some things you cannot talk about and the thing that we really strongly ask that people don't talk about is method and location. That is not necessary information and that was something I definitely was thinking very much about when I was communicating to staff and volunteers and other people who did not need to know. They certainly needed to know that she had suicided and we were very upfront about that. But it was um, unnecessary and potentially harmful to go into um, the details with people. Why is it harmful to go into those details? I think there's a number of reasons why we don't talk about method and location Firstly, I think that when you give people that level of detail, detail that they don't need to know for their own safety or for any other reason, um, that immediately puts um, an image in their head and they start, um, it can create um, a a movie or an image about um, how that person died that could be uh, quite violent or disturbing and they, they don't need that. And the other thing is that method and location can be suggestive to other people other people who are feeling vulnerable or maybe in a state of crisis themselves you can give them an idea of a way for them themselves to suicide so I think they're the things that are really important about why we don't talk about it. and it's certainly why it's not reported in the media at the end of the day there is research that points to the fact that if people know method and 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 location that has been linked to the increased rates of suicide. So I think we have an obligation there. There's absolutely places where you can talk about that, and I think that's important. Like if you yourself, um, probably many of the listeners are listening, and they do know they do know the method and they do know the location, and you will need to talk about that. But there's safer ways to do that, and one will be with a personal counsellor. As an example, that's a place where you're not broadcasting the information, you're quarantining it and you're, you know, having it, that conversation in a safe place. Yes, Mindframe um, developed the guidelines based on the research that said that um, certain types of media reporting of suicide actually did lead to an increased rate of suicide. So that's what told us in a sense that we really needed to be careful about how we spoke about it. What that led to was almost a sort of blanket silence. What we know about that is that it hasn't worked in terms of um, reducing rates. And so thankfully we've moved to a point now where it's like, yes, we can talk about this and these are some ways that we can talk about it and these are some things that are best best not made public um, in a very open sort of a way. And again, you know, that's about stigma and it's also about keeping... Um, some vulnerable people who are very affected by the suicide, keeping them safe. Yeah, it's quite a complex issue, really. Um, in a sense, there's been far too much silence about suicide because people haven't known how to talk about it. And, and what we really need to do is get educated and informed about how we can speak about it in a really responsible way. And that's some of what we're touching on here there are responsible ways to speak about suicide, which mean that it's safe and that it enable us to speak about it more openly.
There can be a lot of assumptions about how the person who suicide was living before they died. For example, they may have had some mental health issues, they may have lost a job, or had a relationship that broke down. It can be tempting or easy to attribute something like this to their death. However, in Louise's experience, singling out one thing like this is not normally accurate. Yes, and that's another important aspect about how we speak about suicide. Uh, sometimes uh, when people are trying to understand what's happened, they'll come up with quite, you know, like a single issue. like, And that's not, um, it's not an accurate way to be thinking about or speaking about suicide. Someone taking their own life will always have multiple causes. And sometimes what people will point to is they'll assume, actually, that someone who's taken their own life has a mental illness, might be depression, anxiety or a range of mental illnesses. So there'll be an assumption that somehow that mental illness caused the suicide. And I think that there's a, there's a problem with that. One of the problems with that is that there's many people living with mental illnesses who aren't suicidal and who don't take their own life. So it's not a causal relationship, actually, between mental illness and suicide. The way that we um, tend to think about it is that there's an association. There is a high risk of someone taking their own life if they've got a diagnosed mental health issue. But I think we need to think more broadly about what it's like for someone to live in our society with a mental health issue. There's things like the isolation, the fact that they may have financial problems or issues with employment or issues with relationships. So there's other factors involved Uh, when someone has a mental illness. There's also stigma, the stigma around mental illness. So I think um, it's a mistake really to think about that as causal, the mental illness causes the suicide. It's actually much more complex than that. And I think that is another of the sort of guidelines it's good to keep in mind when we're thinking about suicide and we're talking about suicide is that it's actually a complex uh, topic. It's not a simple one. Yeah, I think that's right, Louise. And I, I think, you know, the fact that you draw on the complexity around mental health is really important and how that can feed into and connect with suicide, but how it's, you know, not always inherently linked. Because I think that's something that can happen in bereavement is some people can be bereaving someone who did have a mental health crisis or a mental health diagnosis, but other people... They might be bereaving someone who didn't have, who didn't have that kind of diagnosis or or live with that diagnosis for years. So I think it is, yeah, to think about this in a really complex way is going to be very important. And that's what we're going to be doing. Learning how to talk about suicide is really important. Knowing how to talk about it in a safe way that might help others while minimising the risks to people around us is the key. Talking about it helps reduce the stigma, and it might even mean that people are more willing to reach out and get help. In the next episode of Let's Talk About Suicide, we are going to look at some of the things that make a suicide death more complex than a death from another cause. And I'll ask Louise and Joe, how long will I grieve for? Please join me for that episode. You can download the other episodes in this series from joy.org.au slash let's talk, or look for them in your podcast feed. And you can also download the full-length interviews with the courageous people who have shared their own stories. Thanks to our amazing expert panel, Joe Ball from Switchboard Victoria and Louise Flynn from Support After Suicide. And also to the people we interviewed with lived experience, Alice, Bo, Lara and Peter. 
Let's Talk About Suicide is presented and produced by me, Hamish Blunk. Editorial assistance by Joy Program Director, Rachel Tyler-Jones, and technical help from Jack Trainor, Joy Production Manager. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email us at letstalk at joy.org.au. But if you need to talk to somebody right now or in crisis, please contact one of the following services in Australia. You can call QLife on 1800 184 527, the Suicide Callback Service on 1300 659 467, or Lifeline on 13 11 14. You can find all of these contact details at joy.org.au slash let's talk. Until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.